This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week, you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday wherever you get your podcasts and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you know you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, unlike the Owls, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So there's only one thing left to say, what's everybody having? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means you'll get some tasty rewards later on. And between you and me, if you order just before kickoff, you can get it just in time for half-time, but I've not told you that. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery free and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. See you later. The Wednesday Week is sponsored by Michael Constantine Wealth Management. We bet you can't find a financial advisor closer to Hillsborough Stadium. I I may have deleted uh, the first half of this... um, episode of the Wednesday week so my apologies in advance and I'm sorry for all that uh, I could go into the details of it but Vic rescued me halfway through which is why I turn up halfway through this video but um, enjoy this episode of Have Your Say talking about the uh, the recent season that Sheffield Wednesday have had I'm now going to go and have uh, a couple of months off I think and uh, regroup and learn how to do a computer says we're live on Facebook Ooh. Ooh. we are live on Facebook hey. hi guys hi, hi. my podcast Yes, and that is that is Daniel. He's been and put his slap on. <laughs> He's looking well. Oh, yeah. Nathan, um, would you like to say what your thoughts are on the season? Um, pretty pissed poor, to be honest. <laughs> uh, it was going as well as this getting on Facebook Live, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> oh, come on. Technology. <laughs> Technology. I think, uh, think as I was as I was saying earlier to some of us, it's just a, it's just been a complete shambles. And I think uh, James, when he was on earlier, touched on it where he said about the culture at the club. I don't think there is any culture at the club. I think from the top down, from like Chancery all the way down to the club captain, down to the players, down to the youth players leaving and everything like that. It's just it's just like no plan, no idea, no effort, and it's. You just end up thinking like you don't you don't care about it anymore, but then of course it happens and you do. But you just you just end up just completely disheartened by it all. We 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 asked a question earlier to some of the other guests and and ourselves, and was like, can you pinpoint one game of the season or one flashpoint of the season that you made you think 
that's it. We're gone. We're, we've lost it. Uh, when we lost to Rotherham, I think that was a big thing. It, I mean, that we never normally lose to Rotherham, do we? And I think just the... <laughs> and it might sound a bit arrogant that we should always beat teams like that, but really we should with the players that we've got. And then I think as soon as... As soon as Pulis was sacked, and I didn't want Pulis in the first place, but I just thought it's just it's just a complete farce. It's like they, it's like they were just guessing at what they're doing. And then Chancery, every time he came out, he'd make these ludicrous long press statements. And you just think, this guy has not got a clue what he's talking about. And you hear different stories about different things of people who've worked there and different stuff like that. And it just... I think as soon as Pulis was sacked and all those rumours came out of different stuff, and I just thought, what's this isn't the club that we recognise, and this isn't the way that we've done business before. We've had bad times before, but I just thought it's it's just acting with no no foresight whatsoever. And I just thought signing taking Pulis on in the first place, then not giving him, then getting rid of him, and then it was just it was just catastrophe after catastrophe. Craig, it almost feels like the last sort of two, two to three years have been reactionary, though, doesn't it? It almost mm. feels like we've we we we've we've got so close to the promise line. We've got to Wembley, um, you know, and then we've got to the playoffs the year after, and just chasing that dream and knowing that if we just had a little, or thinking that if we just had a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more, uh, chuck a little bit more money at it, then we'll be in a, a position where we can challenge again. Um, and then very quickly it's unraveled, hasn't it? And we've just ended up chucking bad money after worse money, if you like. And we found ourselves in a hole. And we, we, we seem to have a, a, an owner, somebody who's owning um, our club. And it is our club at the end of the day. What, whatever anybody wants to say about it, the supporters, you know, we'll be here when chancery has gone. We'll be here when the players have gone, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's almost like that's been ripped apart from us. And like we've said previously tonight, there's just no identity there whatsoever, is there? Um, I don't think that the man, the chairman has got a clue in terms of how to, to, to get himself out of it. I think he now finds himself in a situation where um, he's too proud to admit that. And I think he's going to continue to do the silly things that, are, that have got us into the hole that we're in. Because this was all avoidable, as far as I'm concerned. If we'd have had a right, the, the right structure there, we'd have the right advisors, the right sort of support for Chancery, which is what he needed. We won't find ourselves in a situation where we're having to sell the ground um, at the cost of what it is to, to sort of try and make up those gains. We wouldn't find ourselves in a situation where we're, we're submitting these ridiculous accounts to, to, to the EFL and, and doing it wrong because we didn't, we didn't sort of have that plan in place. It just seems like everything's been a quick fix and we're sticking, sticking a Band-Aid on an open wound. It's just not, it's not good enough. I think this is right what you're saying, Stevie, about obviously the, the, the lack of structure because there is... There is a formula out there for building a club up slowly and correctly and unfortunately just, you know, up the road for Barnsley. All you need to look at are what they've done in terms of starting from uh, getting, you know, having to initially go and get relegated when they had their takeover. And they've just put the team together in the right way with, the, with hungry players, with the right attitude and, and look at what that's benefited from the season. Now, I'm not saying you can't buy your way out of education because that can be done successfully. Both did it and we were... 20 minutes away from doing exactly that. But I think what would be the mark of Chancery is if he's, if he's had a plan and he's had, uh, had to have a contingency. So when that did not work and it didn't work in the second season, he needed to accept that, like, okay, 
this plan hasn't worked, we need to try something else. And it has been hanging on that 15-16 season for so long. I think this was the inevitable. It has, it's, it's just the whole, it's just going on itself. It's just rotted away organically. The players have got too old. They've, they've lost the heart, they've lost the will. And there's a feeling of inevitability. I feel that we've got now, because we haven't changed a plan that wasn't working and didn't work again and then didn't work again, yeah. He, he think, hasn't got one, has he? Do you think there ever was a plan, though? I mean, we went from having too many strikers to not having any strikers to, like, it just seemed to be... It was just, like, throwing a load of shit at the wall and just seeing what sticks. He said, then, he said in his um, statement with the engagement panel that he, he sees football as you can't have a long-term plan. That's his belief. But if you, look, if you look at other teams who are planning, and even in five, like for five years' future... You can have a plan, but you've got to stick to it. You can't just probably, if you believe in that plan, like anything, no doubt, you believe in that plan and you stick to it and don't deviate, then surely that plan's got a, a chance to succeed rather than not having anything at all. You look at the growth model that Man City have got, okay? Manchester City are buying clubs left, right and centre. All right, all over the country, all over the world. They've got feeder clubs here. They've got feeder clubs there. They've got a load of money. This is the model. Chan Series bought Sheffield Wednesday with grand illusions or delusions of grandeur of, of ending up being a Yorkshire version of a Manche of the Manchester City type. We'd get up, we'd, we'd, we'd speculate a little bit more. We, we, we'd have this growth model, but there was no thought process behind it. But the owners at somewhere like a Man City have gone in there and gone, right, by this point, we'll have this. And by this point, we'll be... Um, we'll have this many clubs. Nobody's telling me that that's not a long-term plan that they've got. Okay. Um, his plan was a fairy tale. Spend a load of money, get up first time, make me son happy, end of. I think he was naive. He was naive. I think I was going to ask ask Craig because obviously we've we're getting on to the chairman now, and 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 he the the relationship with the fans has has massively eroded. The last chairman who didn't seem to have a great deal of empathy and, and, and good relationship with the fans was, was Dave Allen, who you worked under, Craig. What, 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 what input did he have? How did he come across to you guys when you, when you were playing? What did the, did the chairman have much involvement or did he, did he let, because he had a number of directors underneath him, did he just let them sort the club out? The difference for me is owners are turning <clears throat> the game of football into a, into what I call a computer game of chat manager. You need to understand football if you're going to take over a football club. You know, having, you know, if I gave you, if I gave you a million, million quid. Oh, cheers, Craig. And you didn't know how to invest it, you would lose it. And I feel like he's coming to a club, like you said, with no real understanding of football and how it could work, especially maybe even coming out of the championship, what type of management he would like to be, what type of structure his club would like to be. I mean, just having money isn't the solution. You've got to have a plan, you know, to ex execute the solution. So all of these owners are coming in for this instant success without even understanding what it's going to take, again, to, to even climb out of the championship where you're playing multiple games, um, and like I said, there was no structure, no plan, no idea, and it just literally blew up. So I'm back. Uh, I had a bit of a, I've had a bit of a meltdown, by the way. Apologies for. Let's for... be honest. You need to rely on me every time. Do it. Yeah, you get me out. I, me honestly, can you help? Through through all of it, my mum was texting me whether I was coming to Norfolk Broads next week. I'm like, 
I can honestly pick your bloody moment. Uh, Join us right now is Simon Hodgkinson. We've got Blair Hardman as well. Simon, how did you feel about the uh, about it going down? What have you got to say about it, pal? Joy. I was happy that we went down. If I'm honest. Yeah, in- interesting take. What do you mean? Uh, if we'd have stayed up, the euphoria that the players had got, I think, was fake. I think the only way that Chan is going to learn uh, is to suffer. I think the only way that we're going to suffer is I know it's going to hurt people at the club and I know that people are going to probably lose the jobs but he needs to learn I think going down a division is going to hurt him uh, we're not going to have but protests do you, do you think Simon do you think he'd be bothered do you, sorry, I know you I know what you were going to say but what I've, I've said loads of times that like the only people he's going to impact going down is the people the chef the, not the chef but you know what I mean the, the yeah, yeah, yeah. ladies that work there the temporary staff People like that who basically they, they need to work, and I feel that he's let all them down. He has, yeah, he has, and it's and it is. It's going to be hard for them, uh, and I do I do feel really sorry for him. But I think now's his opportunity to learn from it. I've I've I listened to uh, Singing the Blues podcast today. I've just read what Dom House and said, and they've all basically stolen my thunder about what I wanted to say. Where where now he has to change for me. I think it's it's his last chance to change, to draw a line in it, to start again, and to go. Do you know what? I've I've made mistakes, and I'm gonna I'm gonna change. But listening to what other people have to say, is he really gonna do that? No, does someone with <laughs> oh sorry, sorry, does someone with money have to change? And that's what we're that's what we're forgetting. These people are not passionate about the club, the history of these clubs. They're only happy if it works. And if it doesn't work, they still got money in their pocket to go piss off and live their lives. So when we say as fans, like they're gonna have to learn, they're not like the old chairmen. They don't give a shit. They yeah. really don't. They really don't give a shit. And I hate to bring up this club, but watching Sunderland till I die shows everybody how much an owner really gives a shit about a club. Because, as I said, they still have their money. They might have lost a percent of their money, but they still live comfortable. And everybody else in the club that cares about the club is all the people that suffers. And I think people need to really be careful of what they wish for. Um, Money, and I could be too old school, but money doesn't necessarily mean quality. Um, No. They need to be careful with Sheffield Wednesday on who takes over if someone else takes over and how they go about business because we need to be able to bounce back and if you don't bounce back it just becomes a horrible long-term experience i think we we spoke about that about uh, the um the pressure that chris turner was under uh we were speaking about that when when we went down and we spoke about that before so i mean so do, do you feel like there's going to be a clear out i mean what to, what, what do you think is the future for sheffield wednesday next season si well I think he needs to get somebody else in. He needs to get director of football in. He needs to get somebody in that will do the business on a day-to-day basis for him. Everybody said it. I'm part of a fan engagement, part of the fan engagement group. Mm-hmm. We've mentioned it on there. He also he always doesn't like the idea. Uh, I think when we asked him what his senior management team was, he went through some of the names and he mentioned the head chef. And I mean, for me. <laughs> You don't. If you ask the guy at McDonald's to name his senior management team, he wouldn't name fucking Dave that works at Castleford that's got three stars <laughs> on his badge. You know, and I'm and I'm not being disrespectful to the chef, but 
the senior management team of the football club isn't the head chef, you know? I think he needs to get some people in to run that from a day-to-day business. Can I just ask you, Si, um, when, he, when, when those sort of questions are being sort of banded about, is there any sort of rationale or reasoning behind why he's saying he's, he's, he's not having um, that idea that he needs that support at that kind of level, or is it just blatant well, ignorance? The reason that he gave it was that, well, one of the things is that he doesn't feel that he needs it. Uh, somebody in the group has mentioned that uh, his culture, in his culture, they don't have that sort of thing. But then if you look at Leicester, because we were mentioning it on, a, on another, another group that I was in yesterday, WhatsApp group, you look at the structure of Leicester and it's got everything that we haven't got from the same culture, he just needs to ring these guys up and say, can you give me some pointers? Because he wants to do everything himself and he can't do that. He needs to, as I say, draw a line in the sand and then go, do you know what? I fucked up. I'm going to learn from my mistakes. We'll start again and we'll take it forward. And I'm going to get a director of football and I'm going to get somebody in to run this and I'm going to get somebody to do X, Y and Z, not just try and do absolutely everything himself. Like like Craig said though, he's got he's got some money. Do you think he'll he's got got the balls to own up and say that? I know he he put a statement out, but actually behind the scenes, do you think it, it's something that he'd do? I think I he's think a very he, proud man. That yeah, that's he's very proud, and I don't think he likes admitting his mistakes. But if I'd lost a shitload of money and taken a football team from ninety minutes away from Premier League to go into Shrewsbury, you'd have to, you just turn around and just go, you know what? Fuck it. I'm sorry. I've messed up. I'm going to start again and, and rebuild it. But is he too proud to do that? I hope not, because if he is, I live a mile away from Arrogate Town. If he carries on the way he's doing, I'll be walking to an away game. <laughs> Simon, that was amazing, Cole. Thank you so much, pal. There's some interesting no points there, by the way. So, Blair, is that something you'd you'd agree with? Like, you know what I mean? Simon said it was it was good. It was good for us to have a kick out. You know, it was happy that we went down. I mean, how do you feel, Blair? Well, we're in a, um, a WhatsApp group together, me and Simon, so we've been back and forth about this topic the entire week. Um, personally, I wanted to stay up just for the the fact that we don't have a we'd be more attractive to buy if someone were to buy us and it would also be more attractive to a player to come and sign for us because you don't want to be signed for a league one club and sign for a championship club. And then it, obviously budgets, you've got more money to spend on wages, etc., and stuff. But I don't want to talk about the past too much because we all know it's a bit of a crap system, really. How to, to compete with the parachute payments, you've got to overspend. And if you don't, if you don't make it, you become Sheffield Wednesday, you get 12 points deducted. Um, the only exception to that, unfortunately, is Sheffield United, who sort of just did it on momentum. So if you could sort of look at their story and go, can we go down to League One and hopefully win 30 games and get promoted, and then that momentum carries you. Who knows? But it's hard. Um, all these rumours about Chancery, he does talk a lot, but if he didn't say anything, you'd, we'd all moan and go, he do not fucking say anything. Sorry for swearing, but... That's what it would be. It'd be radio silence, wouldn't it? It'd be, oh, he's radio silence. He doesn't say anything, this chairman. Now he says too much. Oh, he says too much, this chairman. He can't win sort of thing, can he? Um, topic I really want to talk about is the retain list. Um, because personally, I wouldn't keep any of them. Not even um, Egahidi? Oh, maybe, maybe him. I think that he's not 
he's not the he's obviously he's not finished article he's a he's a bit of, he's a lump of coal at the moment isn't he but he, could, he might turn to a diamond we don't know but I think his head's been turned I think he's a southerner I think he wants to go back oh, I've moved but I've moved back up north since I'm living down south so I think he'll probably go back home the Very only natural. reason I'd I'll, only reason I'd keep, I'd keep him is that he's the only one with potential sell-on value. Yeah, and absolutely. that's something we've been proper shit at over the last god knows how long. Yeah, you I know, mean the problem people too long and things like that. Yeah, the problem with the championship. I think I said this when I was on the podcast a year ago. Now in March, when, just before lockdown, can you remember? It was after we got spanked by Brentford three nil, five nil, five nil. Christ, it was, wasn't it? And. Um, it was like, I mean, I mean, jokes about coronavirus then, Dan, me and you. We had a laugh about coronavirus then. Not laughing now, are you? Turns no. out it's a bit serious, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and um, it's, I'm, I, I think I brought the point up on that podcast, but we all sort of like lauded Chan Siri after the playoff final because someone came from Forest area and, we, and, he, and he turned them down and said, no one's going. Do you know, um, I'm sure people came for Bannon, probably Leeds, Westwood, that's that summer, and he refused. And we all went, what chairman we are. We all puffed his chests out, you know, we're Sheffield Wednesday, we're on our way back. Do you know what I mean? No one can bully us anymore. No one can sign our best players. But in, 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 really, in reality, in the championship, the only way to succeed is to keep selling your best players because mm-hmm. that's the only real income. I think you know, Simon's on these... On these panels and he says and, he, and he's in, in our North Yorkshire Owls group chat he says like do you know the topic is like how can we get more income into the club and I say to him sorry you mean he could he can make pint he can make pints one pound but you're not going to sell enough to compare to one player sale <laughs> you know I mean and that's it and he should have I, sold I think in memory, in all I can think of is Jack Hunt and Lucas Yao yeah and to refer to him, Lucas Yao probably would have kept us in the in the championship this season. But seven, we got offered five million, we're seven million pound add-on. I mean, not sorry, it went up to seven million pound, didn't it, with with the add-ons? Oh, and then we've got a th- then we've got a thirty percent sell-on clause. So in theory, he, he has learned in that respect because that's a great deal for us. But yeah. we could have bloody dealt with. Him. We could have really, really needed him this season. Absolutely. <laughs> Cheers, Blair. Thanks a lot, man. So, uh, joining us now, I've got uh, George. If you bear with me, and I've got oh, I've got George Barber. I've got Pete Loman as well. But down there at the bottom, there is uh, Spanish Adonis looking at me once again with his big, deep brown eyes. It's uh, it's Miguel Yera. How's it going, Miguel? You all right? Yeah. Good evening, everybody. Yeah. And, well, a little bit sad. I think that like everybody in the yeah. city, the half of the city at least, um, this is the adjusted the situation. Yeah, I mean, do, how, how did you feel about it? Did you did you see how the day unfolded yesterday? Yeah, well, uh, to be honest, I was in my game uh, at the same time. I was following by by the the, the result because uh, we played two o'clock kickoff and was preparing the game, the game with my lads. But obviously, sad for all the Sheffield Wednesday fans. Um, disappointed. No? Yeah. Can I just ask, obviously, Miguel and Craig, you've both got us out of this hole before. Like, literally, both have been there and got us out of this division. Does it not frustrate you to watch us drop back down again? Because I feel like it's like if I completed a project at work and I was kind of like, oh, buzzing, yeah, I've, I've signed off this budget, I've done this, I've done that, and then someone came in and literally just spat on it and threw it in the bin. Does that is that not what it feels like to you? Like, all that graph that you went to... 
like what 10 15 years apart has all again come back to the same point all over again yeah obviously yeah come on go that's what i said it feels like <clears throat> when people say about you know when we do the anniversary of like you know cardiff i always say to them i'm hoping that someone does it again you know because you want to keep that effect of you know going up and up rather than being where we are you know today talking about you know going back down to league one so it would be nice, like I said, everyone said it really, for the club to have a plan, a structure, an identity of how they want to do business, how they want to create business, how they want their teams to look, perform, um, and basically stick by it. Because at the moment, it's kind of like dog and duck. It's just it's like they're picking names out of a hat and then uh, seeing how it works. So it's kind of frustrating. Like I said, the club's so big, well-supported, great history. Um, it's about time that they should be in places um, can have more celebrations rather than going through these types of situations. And obviously, Miguel, not so long ago, you were on everyone's shoulders in the middle of the pitch, you know, taking us back out of League One, absolute success story, just like Craig had so many years before. How does it feel to you just like watching us just just throw all your hard work away, basically? Oh, obviously, uh, I can't control it what the other people have been doing now. Yes, I can't control what I did and I did my best and we promoted to championship and now well, obviously I left from the club, the club was running from different people and they come back to the starting point. No? I think that this, uh, it's time for having a look what they did wrong, why we are in this situation, but not spend too much time on it and be thinking in the future. As soon as the club have to take decisions, take the right decisions, moving forward, learn from what they did wrong from the administration point of view, why they uh, was in that situation, maybe change the mentality because this is a bit huge. I think that they wanted to create a club spending huge amounts of money paying for player. Um, I always say the same thing. No? It's two ways to promote the club and make a big club. It's like Brighton did, investing in the facility, investing in the academy, investing in infrastructure to build in a new club, or in paying a lot of money to the player, try to go straight away into the Premier League. No? They was close, to be honest, when they played the playoff final with Carlos. They got it. They didn't get the, that that what they was looking for. Um, we have the consequences of that now. And hopefully the club learn from that. They want to build in a club from zero. Um, I think that we need to, moving forward, the chairman should be take quick decisions. Uh, the decision done is pleased to the fans and make the fans happy again because I have been, they have to be thinking on them and how tough they have been for them. Uh, they deserve uh, everything because Sheffield Wednesday is, uh, is is the fans. Without them, it's not it's not uh, any any. The club is huge for them. Everything that they have is about the fans, and the chairman should, should be thinking and give the fans what they deserve. No? Miguel, on that on that um, thing, what what do you think the chairman should do to make the the fans happy? Is there anything that you think that? The chairman should do. I don't know. Sell up, move back. I don't know what. What is it? Do you think he can do to help? Because obviously, like you said, the fans are really down. So, what do you think? 
Well, I have clear picture, clear pathway what the club need to do. The first thing is, uh, I don't think so the relation between the fans and the chairman is the best due to the current situation. I think that the chairman have to take a really quick decision, not giving a month, not giving three weeks, one week, 10 days, said, saying, um, uh, I need to bring the right person to building up the club again and building up the relation between the fans and the club. And the, the chairman need to bring the fans back on his side. I don't think so they are at the moment. And then I need to, to bring the right person, to bring the right people into the club to, to, bring, to, to close that gap between fans and the chairman. They have, the, the chairman need to know that they don't gonna promote it without the fans, no chance. Uh, he need to understand that in, when the season starts, the fans will be back to the stadium. And then if he want to go from the car park to the uh, stand without to be whistled or to, to do anything, and to, they need to be the right person. And the person then joining together, fans, member of the staff, player and club. That's the main thing. And this is important, it's vital because if the fans are going back to the stadium, they have lucky them. The, 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 the fans wasn't in the stadium, they, didn't, they, couldn't, they couldn't express their feelings, the frustration, but they need to understand that, the, the next, that the, when the precision starts, because for, the league starts in precision, the, the friendly matches, because the fans used to go to the stadium, they are looking forward for, for a start precision, for the first match in the precision, to go to there and see the friendly match in wherever, wherever the first team play, in Sheffield FC or, or whatever, you know? And then they, the priority is bring the right people to the club to, to, to close that gap, between, because without the fans, there's no chance to promote. They need that. And then I don't know if they, uh, obviously the current man uh, management manager will have healthy problems. I have, but I don't know if he's the right person to link fans and club. You know, I need something that the fans is looking, they like it, fans support him, and they're going to be he, he, the person that when, when the, 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 we are talking about Sheffield, when we are talking about start the preseason and the, the first um, game of the league and the fans looking forward for they need to looking forward for start the season you know they need they need one new dream new illusion they need something new that made the fans back into the stadium the fans looking forward for the just pay attention the member of the staff and play station in the player forget the charm you know, that's the main thing. Close the gap between them is key. Without the fans, uh, having the chairman in one side, the, the fans in the other, they, they, this is not the right environment. They need to create the right environment right now. Without the fans, they don't want to promote. That's simple as that. Yeah, I, I agree I agree with you, Miguel. Now, in the, in the corner there, we've got, we've got George. Sorry, George, I've made you wait there for a while there. My apologies. Um, you know, Miguel's talking there about the, the disenfranchisement between the chairman and the fans and the manager. Is that something you feel as a fan? Um, I, not really. Um, I think, uh, especially this season, uh, the social media has been quite good in terms of the fans. Um, I know we're quite low down on the leaderboard for the disengagement, but I think it's improved uh, this year 
because earlier this year in my university lectures, the guy who actually runs the social media was sort of in and he said how they're doing strategies to improve the fan engagement. Um, so I'm, I'm not too sure on that one, really. Well, you know, you, I mean, I mean, sorry, I, I made you sit there for ages. What was it you wanted to come <laughs> and say then anyway? Sorry, I threw a question in at you. What was it you wanted to go for? Uh, yeah, um, it's just really a summary of what, what I think, really, about this season. Um, first of all, I don't know how popular this is, but I don't actually think Chancery is all to blame. I think... <sighs> Oof. Yeah, I know that'll be a sort of unpopular. Especially. We've had some, we've had some weird takes on this show, but that's that's a first on this one, George. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you, you don't um, you don't feel like it's all Chancery's fault. I don't. No, I think um, the the deduction is definitely his fault. I think you know that was just stupidity on his behalf. But I think I don't think it's all on him. I think one of the biggest reasons that we've gone down this season is the recruitment by Gary Monk. I think mm-hmm. the players that he brought in at the start of the season to say that we were in such a position at the start, we were minus 12 and you were bringing players such as, you know, Elias Kachunga, Jack Marriott, um, Aidan Flint, you know, these are all players that you, they haven't produced anything in the past few seasons. And he sort of, I, I, I think Gary Monk panicked in a way. Do you think that he fancied um, himself as the type of guy to get a tune out of these players? I just think he fancied himself. I, 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 <laughs> I don't think... I don't know what you were really thinking because I, I'm, I'm going to single out Izzy Brown um, here. You know, Izzy Brown played for Luton. He's, he's played for Huddersfield. Every time he's played against Sheffield Wednesday, he has looked like all the player that we would need. So why on earth, when he actually comes to us, does he look like the sort of person that doesn't actually know what he's doing? You know, he, he's, he's all on Twitter, sort of, oh, keep the positivity. I don't know if you saw the tweet where he says, oh, ask me something at the end of the season. Well, Izzy, what I could ask you here is why you're chilling under 23s and not performing for the first team. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's so frustrating as a fan, but I just think the recruitment was all wrong in the first place. George, can I just pick up on that about, oh, sorry, Simon. I was going to say, George, do you think that was the, the recruitment policy was governed by the fact of the FFP, where we got ourselves into the position prior to Munn coming in, and also the fact that we were minus 12 points already, so who in the right mind would want to come and play in this current marketplace yeah. for Wednesday? Because um, don't forget as well, don't forget as well this season, yeah, we can point at the recruitment policy, but we can also point at... Um, players who were signed signed before who haven't turned up. Your Adam Reachers, you know the, the, these guys who established Wednesday players signed by Carlos and Steve Bruce yeah. beforehand. Julian Bourne had a shocking season. You know, I don't think the finger can be pointed purely at the Kachungas and the Easy Browns. And um, no, and let, let, let's get right at the start of the season me included, were very optimistic about the signings that we'd made, such as Izzy Brown, done well at Rotherham, done well at Huddersfield, just being one of them, that Gary Monk brought in, there were a lot of positivity about them, and they've not performed. They've not only not performed for Gary Monk, but they've not performed for Tony Pulis, which is probably on Tony Pulis, but they haven't performed for him, they haven't performed for Darren Moore, and performed a little bit better for Neil Thompson, but not much. So essentially, they've just been shite players. That exactly, we've and a lot of them, <laughs> a lot of them, such as 
Kadeem Harris, such as Izzy Brown on Twitter, even Dunkley. I'm not sold on Dunkley, if, I, if I'm completely honest. And a lot of them have been on Twitter, give it all the, the positivity on Twitter. And for me, think they're better than they are. And I think that's contributed to it as well. But I also think there's uh, something else me and Ben have agree on for once. Dunkley. Let me, uh, let me just chirps in because uh, I, I believe, Craig, you have to go, right? You've only got about five minutes left, don't you? Thank you so much for joining us, Craig. Thank you. I really appreciate you. your time. Cheers, Cheers man. Yeah. Have a good day. Um, okay, so... Just uh, a quick one from me, if you let me jump in. Uh, when they, this, this person, I don't know personally, but he's talking about recruitment, yeah? Mm-hmm. But the recruitment is a, part, a department of the club. And that department have a line manager. It's, it's, I, everybody agreed. I'm the player that Brady brought. They wasn't good enough, or they were didn't perform. But the, that department have above a line manager. Is the manager who appointing the manager? Do you understand what I said? Is this is not just about oh, what's the wrong? We brought the, the wrong player into the club. That's the that's the fact. Mm-hmm. You know, but who is the line manager? Who appointed the head of recruitment? That's the person that have to, and who the head of recruitment, the head of recruitment who appointed him. That's the line manager. He's the responsible. But the fact is, the chairman don't have the funds. That's the fact. That's the fact. The manager, the chairman don't have these funds on his side. If you see social media now, I speak the relation between both dancing and sex, and without that base, is not chance. The environment is not ideal for promote. They have the chairman have to be someone where the farms turning around and say the chairman took the right decision. Mm-hmm. And now chairman and farms they are working in the same direction. At the moment they are working in different direction. You know, mm-hmm. and then that's the main thing. Bring someone where the farms say I think they're right. The chairman did right because at the moment it's a lot of decision and the farmers say wrong decision, wrong decision. Now both they have to be in the same page. And when they are on the same page, the fans have to, the chairman had to bring the funds into his pocket. And from that, just the only the fans that have to speak about the team, the recruitment and the new manager. So you're, you're, you're thinking there that, that maybe Darren Moore isn't the, the guy to move us forward and then maybe, or if he is, then he is surrounded, then the chairman brings in other people who maybe have got an affinity with the club that then fans can actually say, hang on a minute, he's actually starting to listen to, to the fans. He's starting to have investment with, with <clears> the club <throat> rather than blatantly what seems to have happened recently is he's saying he's listening, but he's not. Football is a fact. It's a result. Yeah. Um, Sheffield, when they, be honest, they have a great opportunity without winning a game to stay in the league. Just winning one game to stay up. Mm-hmm. There are more, have six champs, have 10 games, 15 games, I don't know how many. But never, never going to be easier to save how, after how many chances they have. Don't, we never forget, if we win in every county, we are in this championship. Just win one game, you know? And then we have a lot of opportunity. We are agreed that he didn't build up the, the squad. Yeah. Uh, he couldn't he do his way. His uh, um, healthy problem didn't help. His illness didn't help. Every, yeah, I agree with that. But the farms 
think that is the right person? We don't know. No. We don't know. The fan is, is in the, the same direction than the Sharma? I don't think so at the, at the moment. No. no. I, I agree. I, I don't think the fans are on, on board with the, the chairman. That's plainly obvious. But I do think, if I'm honest, I think they are on board with Darren Moore, uh, Darren Moore on the whole from the people I know and the people that you see on Twitter. Ooh. People are with him. I've been, I've been working in, in Chesterfield the last for a year and a half. And I've been in a club that was from lose the championship playoff final to relegate to National League. You know? And imagine the environment, start the season. The fans don't going to be supporting the team. We will have to be honest. They're going to be on fire with the charm. That's the fact. And then they're going to be the environment that the fans are going to create into the stadium against the Sharman. They're going to be the idea. Imagine, start of the system, first game of the season against, I don't know, Rochdal, I think. 1-0 winning in the first five minutes. They're going to be a bomb over there. That's the fact. If he's not winning the first 10 games and putting in the top of the league, if they are in the middle of the table, the fans are going to be on fire against him. That's the fact. Mm. They need to bring someone that be working in the same direction. Me, I, they need illusion. Need to, uh, looking forward, say, oh, we're gonna, and forget the shaman. Appoint the right person. Then bring the fans once, and they think the right one. And forget the shaman. Take it out from the equation. Yes, is focusing the recruitment and building other squad for the next time. And just yes, speaking about the manager and the, the player. And the first thing that. If we are talking about recruitment, 10 players finish contract, out. Who want to play in League One? Barry Bannon, do you want to play in League One? You want to give everything that you have? Yes or no? No, I'm not sure. Out. That's it, simple. You know, yeah. now one is predictable in the now one. It's unpredictable. Yes, they need 21, 20, 22 players ready for fight because it's going to be a fight every week. Everybody's going to week beat Sheffield Wednesday. We're going to be every day a final. You have to be ready for that. And they need to understand that. If he's not ready, they are not the right person or the player right for the for the club. Oh, yeah. I, I think I think you're right. You think uh, in, in that league, a club that size, everybody's going to want to try and beat Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. It's, you know, it's 46 cup finals, mm -hmm. isn't it? Now, uh, join, join us tonight. Sorry, Pete, I've made you wait for a long time. I was, mm -hmm. uh, I was talking away with Miguel and Craig and I got carried away. And uh, I didn't get to ask you, Pete, um, what, um, you know, what was it you wanted to say about the season gone? Um, yeah, a lot of people have been focusing on uh, the fact that they are hurt and disappointed and what have you. I'm, 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 I've moved on to, the, uh, to, to one of the, the other phases of, um, of loss, and that is anger, because um, I'm frankly angry at uh, Dave and Chanchiri, um, because it is, and I disagree with what, what was said before, it is 100% on Dave and Chanchiri, what has happened. Um, it's his uh, inability to sign a piece of paper um, within a decent time frame that means we have a six-point deduction. It's his insistence on selling our stadium uh, and now littering us with, a, with a, an expense every year of, of two and a half million pounds for the next 30 years. It's his decision to change our identity. He changed the crest, he changed the shirt without consulting with fans. 
and that's another thing that that drives me up, uh, <laughs> winds me up a lot. Uh, it's people using the term fan engagement. That's a very one-sided process, isn't it? It's it sounds like someone who has to, to, to who just wants to to survey someone. It's 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 the wrong way around. It's it's it should be the other way around. It should be the chairman who 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 is who is who who engages. So it's it should be chairman engagement from from the fans. We as fans need to be involved. We need to be in that room when decisions are made. And if we were in that room when decisions were made, we would not have sold our stadium. We would not have changed our, our visual identity. Uh, these are just very simple um, common sense questions for, for the club. Yeah, for for the club to, uh, decisions for the club to make, and and very base, basic decisions. And that's not even getting into all the uh, all the crap that's been going going on with the with the playing staff and the coaching staff and and so on and. And and having four different managers in one season and what have you, it's it's it all comes back to Dave and Chansiri insisting on being a leader when he's patently clearly not a leader. He's a dictator, plain, plain and simple. He wants to decide everything, and he puts his uh, uh, need to decide everything and to to make every decision ahead of Sheffield Wednesday Football Club, and that means that the tens of thousands of us that hold this club very dear uh, are hurting because of his needs, childlike need to make decisions for himself. That is an That's a great point. I, I, I love that term dictator, Pete. That's great. Uh, Join us as well is Andy. Andy, do you, do you, do you agree with that? Uh, you know what I mean? Is that, is that something you'd agree with? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, um, Chen Siri has, has, has done some things which are pretty incredible. And when, when you think about it, uh, there's a long list of things which uh, I won't go into, but you know you, you, you can find them pretty easily. Um, yeah, Chan Siri is absolutely to blame. Uh, he his bungling in the um, boardroom has, has, has put us in an incredibly tough position. But like I think it was George who said earlier on, um, Chan Siri wasn't the one letting ball through his fingers. Chan Siri wasn't the one not picking his his man up. Chan Siri was wasn't the one who dropped 29 points from winning positions. So, yeah, absolutely, Mr. Chancery takes a heck of a lot of the blame. Um, for, for a lot of the, the, the mess we're in, absolutely it does. But you cannot look further than the players at the moment. And, and just like Peter said earlier, and, and I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually angry that I don't feel anything anymore. When the goals went in on... Um, uh, was it Sat Saturday at um, half twelve? I wasn't celebrating, and and I've and I've been to games with Peter, and you know, we've been jumping up and down and fudge, and we've been jumping up and down and limbs and, and whatever. When when we scored, I just wrote, right, yes, good, and just like like what a clap, yeah, great, fantastic, you know. I guess the the passion has been sucked out of me. This is probably from the monk era, uh, really. Where the club had an absolutely incredible opportunity to use lockdown break to get rid of Gary Monk and start afresh. Obviously, we had the rest of that season to play. Gary Monk was an absolute unmitigated disaster for the football club. He was horrendous. Um, his recruitment this summer, um, yeah, get rid of Fletcher, fair enough, I understand that, but then not re not replace him with a proper target man. No fullback whatsoever. And then, obviously, you know, we've got holes at left-back and, and right-back. Our goalkeepers have been making mistakes, and not just Westwood, but also Wildsmith and Dawson. They've been making mistakes consistently 
for two or three years now. No, it's not just a one-off thing. So I'm thinking a goalkeeper in the summer is absolutely key in trying to offload um, these goalies who aren't good enough. Obviously, it's hard to do that um, when obviously clubs have seen how bad these keepers are. <laughs> Andy, Andy, sorry. Do you think that if all three keepers are not in the best form, would you look at the coaching or the back absolutely, room with that? Absolutely not. Absolutely right. Weaver's absolutely. been there for them three years, I think, is it now? Yeah. I think. It, it um, it, for me, it's gone downhill since Andy Rowe has left. Of course, uh, well, they are. Taken over. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, obviously, um, alluding to the first question um, about whose fault it is and, and everything, it, coaches have to look at everything as well. I mean, it's... The discipline what the team have had. How many sending off have we had this season? Um, letting Flint go. Yeah. Um, what is it? Six or seven sending offs? Um, letting Flint go back. Yeah, he wasn't a brilliant success, but then he played every single game for Cardiff and they rose up the table. Um, and he was just the sort of player we needed, a leader at the back who was, obviously he was better than Lees and he was better than Borner and he was better than Dunkley who was only got one leg. Um, but there's just so many things what you can look at, I mean, just going down the season, one point in December from six games, um, a point in Poolis when someone like Paul Cook was available, who I, who I think would have done a cracking job at Hillsborough. Um, the, the Luton game, for me, was when my... I, I got the map out to Cheltenham and Forest Green, because I, I, we were, from, from a psychological point of view, we, we weren't coming back from that. We no. are not. And, and the sad thing is, that game... The minute they scored, was in the 45th, 46th or 47th minute straight after halftime, we knew that they would come in and get, come and get us and we'd just buckle under the pressure. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, yeah it, it's been disappointing. Some, some of the players, what we've had, have not given everything and there hasn't been a, a lot of quality there. But are you telling me that this is a relegation, relegation squad on paper? Absolutely not. This squad is probably a 55, 60-point squad um, you know, throughout the season. Like I said, we've let... 29 points go from winning positions. And it's just simple game management. And it's, yeah, frustrating. There's yeah. something I, I, I just touching on the goalkeeper situation. For me, all three go. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we, we need somebody to come in and cement the number one position because now for two years, or two or three years since Westwood's gone off the boil. And people want to keep him because it's Kieran Westwood. And what no, he's it's gone. It's finished. He, he is. Finished. Yeah, he is. definitely gone. Yeah. And I'm Kieran Westwood's biggest fan. I really am. But mm. this, I think, that we've always had a good keeper, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, we have. We've been yeah. known for a long time for having a good keeper. <laughs> Apart from, from now. <laughs> but even Westwood has been one of mm. those people that's a big name and he's been a big like character. And the other two just haven't quite stepped up, have they? And whether that is to do with the Andy Road situation or that it's to do with something else, but it's just not been good enough, has it? When Even when we look back to, like, Stephen Bywater, you know, we brought in somebody who was a huge name who pulled off some incredible saves that Mm. got us promoted. I'll I'll keep banging this drum, and I've been talking about him for about 18 months now, but Nathan Bishop, who we could get in on loan from Man United tomorrow... Similar sort of thing to Dean Anderson, where he started off at South End and Man United's picked him up and he's just sat at Man United doing nothing. League One. You can't keep that as a comparison, though, can you? Because oh. Dean Anderson had a couple of good seasons at Sheffield and look what they bought. It's a very, very short term thing, that then, I think. I mean, no, no I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I tell you what, listen, 
let's uh, let's let's move on to our, our final guest this evening, and then we'll and then we can talk amongst ourselves. Steve, <laughs> welcome to the show. Welcome to my absolute nightmare. I'm really glad that I had Botox last week because this has given me absolute four red lines like I've never believed, and I'm trying to get around everybody. Steve, welcome to the show. What did you want to say? Where do you start? I think uh, <laughs> I think most most of it's actually been said. It's like a it's like a pin in a dartboard, isn't it? No matter where you throw it, you're going to hit something that you can talk about. Um, I think I think for me, you know, the issues that we're facing, they're so far reaching. There's so many of them that together it's just the perfect storm, isn't it? And, and we're going through it. And ultimately, this is not the end. You know, we've got a lot of heartache to go on the pitch, off the pitch. We've got an ageing squad, the ones that are going to be around uh, next season. Younger players want to leave. Management merry-go-round, you know, typical disaster for any club. Um, I don't really want to blame Darren Moore for that. I mean, I think it's he's just he's inherited the problem. So I think, you know, the fact that we've had four managers this season and none have been able to get it right, really, just shows the, the problems that we've got at the club. Um, we've got an owner that just seems to throw good money after bad or did. Um, but that's now, you know, run out, dried up, whatever you want to say. It's, uh, it's quite a, a desperate situation, you know. The structure, and I think it was mentioned earlier on tonight, the structure between Chancery and the manager, it's non-existent. I, and I, I don't know who it is, what it is, what it's meant to do. Um, and that just sort of brings you down to the communication from the club. Um, for me, it's non-existent. Don't get me started about refunds. You know, it's coming. But uh, um, it's, just a, it's just a nightmare. You know, Chancery called us customers. Even Virgin Broadband doesn't treat its customers like this, it's a, it's well, an Virgin absolute... Broadband is shite as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well I've just, I just got a point here. Steve, Steve lives quite close to me. We're not registered for Virgin Broadband, mate. I've tried. <laughs> I'm coming from my, my customer service training. That's the, 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 the number one problem. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it, they don't, you know, they don't, they don't treat, you know, the customers the way Chancery treats his customers uh, of the club. Um, I deliver training around customer service and this isn't it. Absolutely not. No way, no how. Um, you know, the nucleus of the squad, good or bad, are out of contract, you know. Um, so, you know, next season, I really, really fear for us as as fans, you know, of Sheffield Wednesday. I just don't know where we're headed. Um, but I think what is a fact is that the, the owner, the players, and I think as mentioned by Stevie earlier on uh, when I joined the call, when they've all gone, you know, we're still going to be here and we're still going to be digging deep into our pockets for as tickets, as pints, you know, as pies, you know, and, and as customers, we deserve better. Full stop. We deserve better. You're, and you're if I was a customer, sorry, if I was sorry. a customer, I would have taken my, my, my custom and I would have gone elsewhere. Yeah. But I'm not yeah, a customer. Yeah, there's no customer, is there? It's just, there, there you it's are, there you are, Miguel. That, that exactly. Yeah. No, no, what I would like to say that everybody, the first two gentlemen, the first two fans was talking about Chan City, blame him. But the key here is what he going to do for change this? What Chan City should we do for change this? Leave. Leave. He, there's a few other things he can yeah, do, though. But be, be, he don't want to leave because he no. put, bet he put some money in the club. He won the money back. Yeah. Can I ask you, Miguel? Yeah. I'm just keeping an eye on Facebook here as well because I'm like proper back in my old role now. But a lot of people are talking about the fact that the players have gone three occasions now throughout the last year where they haven't been paid. 
if you were there as a player, obviously, you know, money is a lot different to when you were there. I know it was good money then, but I mean, the money now is just astronomical. Yeah. Um, but would that either put a dampener on your sort of fight and would it also put you off signing for a club? If you read in the papers that this club had a 12-point deduction or six-point deduction that it went down to, they hadn't been paid for like three times during the season when, let's be honest, a lot of players, you know, will have families and the wives won't work and they've got mortgages, etc. Would that put you off signing for a club like that? Yeah, could be. But you have to be professional. And you, if, you, if uh, when you are playing, uh, be honest, some of the players have stupid ways. I don't say that they, deserve, they don't deserve it, but the chairman gave to them, and then it's because they deserve it. Because they have been two months without getting paid, nothing going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, the most important is the club and secure the future of them because the money of them they're going to be the same in championship than in League One. Yeah? And the player, maybe they're still thinking that, oh, if I relegate, I'm going to get another championship club because the answer is no. Football is very competitive. If you have a relegation in your pocket, you are a League One player, you know? And no, I can't say that 80% of the squad didn't want to play in championship next year. They will be League One or below that. Not too many players want to relegate and want to play in championship or Premier League, no chance. And I think that the most important is I, I uh, the person that brought me into the club was Gary Mason. And the, the what I live... I don't say that Gary Mason is, but the environment that he created, the link between that person on the bench and the fans was amazing. I still remember Ginger Mourinho, Ginger Mourinho. You put your goose spoon into the scheme. You need that back. Even with Carlos, I went to, to see the club when Carlos management, when it was Carlos, even playing good football. I, I, the first time I went to Hillsborough again, I said, well, they lost, they lost the magic. This, they don't have the passion. They, the team don't transfer the passion into the stands. I remember when we was playing, the fans didn't stop singing and stop sharing and pushing the team. We lost that even with Carlos, but maybe they was better playing better football or whatever you want to call it. But that environment that was creating the stand, the fans was really quiet. They're really quiet. And now we need that back. If they want to promote again, without that, that environment between the Lim fans, bench and player, it's no chance to promote. It's no chance. I'd have to agree with you there. We were talking about this on Saturday about going back uh, after the lockdown when we can. We're actually saying about those last few games before the initial lockdown in March, where we lost against Blackburn. I mean, the Blackburn game, I went down to the Wednesday tap at half, just after they got their fourth. I have never, ever left a game at Hillsborough and gone to the pub. And we'd all joked about that game when we played Forest, was it when Rose got his hat-trick? And there was video footage of all the Forest fans leaving in the second half, wasn't there? Yeah. And we all laughed about it and laughed about the Forest fans. We did exactly the same against Blackburn. And I think if, if, if we carried on and not had a lockdown and COVID hadn't happened and these same results had happened, the atmosphere at Hillsborough would have got more and more toxic. You know, but it, like, in the same way, I don't think the players have been able to get away with what they've done this season because of that. I, th- I, I think Miguel's dead right, though, when he says that, you know, these players that go down, they are now League One players. They've got, what, what did you say, Miguel? They've got a relegation in their pocket. You know what I mean? And he's right. There's probably only going to be two, 
three players at a push that I couldn't even name that might play championship football next year. And I think it's I think it's really in- interesting. Now, now, Pete, you were talking about engagement. What sort of things then would be good for for you to for the chairman to do to engage with the fans again to to go, hey, come back to Sheffield Wednesday. It's not as shit as what I've made it. And there are a few things he can do. Um, for starters, he could um, change the uh, the infrastructure of the club, um, and he doesn't have to get his own uh, apparently dwindling um, money out of uh, out of his pocket. He can do as Norwich did in 2018. He could crowdfund a new training ground. Um, Norwich did that, and they raised uh, around four million pounds, I think it was. Um, they they even they even gave a bonus uh, to the people who who invested in that in that crowdfunding uh, scheme when when they got promoted. There's so a tiny so problem with that, Pete. A small, tiny problem called season ticket refunds. Yeah, I'm, I'm coming to that. I'm coming to that. That's that, that's 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 my point. You could you could roll the ticket ref- season ticket refunds into the, the the crowdfunding of the training ground. Of a new train Good. ground because let's be honest. Let's be honest. Uh, the, the train ground we have at the moment is is obsolete. Uh, the facilities we have at the moment are obsolete. And and uh, Norwich actually said that when when they when they when they started that crowdfunding scheme, uh, when when we show players around, uh, players want to sign around our, our training ground, they 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 look is, is that it? And 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 they were embarrassed about their facilities. And it's just a, a it's just a, a perfect portrayal of Sheffield Wednesday as, as a football club, Millwood Road. It's not changed since I visited and got autographs from the players in 1998. It's the same thing. It's and it and that's just just we we still we we're living in the past and the facilities and the infrastructure of the club is also living in the past. And and if Jeffrey Chinchuri wants to move that forward, he needs to to have us fans not just as engaged people but involved people. And you involve us by by involving our money into something that is concrete, not his pipe dream about the Premier League or. Uh, all the money he's wasted on 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 poor players, the, the ticketing p- price increases he's had he's he's made since he's come in that has been been extortionate. It's it's the highest ticket prices in, in the top two divisions in in, in England. Uh, those ticket prices have funded the the equivalent of one year uh, wages for Stephen Fletcher. That's what we've been paying for. That that's it, and that that's the point. He keeps saying you have to put your money in as well, but we're not we're not the guys who, who are the son of of uh, of of, uh, of of someone on on the Forbes 100 list with with a with a 10 billion on in, in his pocket. For you, Dave and Chancery, two two hundred million pounds which you've wasted at Wednesday, that is equivalent to to half my my monthly wages uh, as as a comparison. When when I spend five hundred pounds on a season ticket, it's a hell of a lot of money. It's not a lot of money for Jeffrey Chancery, and and he still he still does not understand the city Sheffield Wednesday sits in. It's a working class city. It's a working class community. He doesn't understand it. He's a rich, spoiled kid who does not understand. He's Marie Antoinette asking us to eat cake because we're hungry. That's, he doesn't again, get it. I tell you, I tell you what, Pete, you're in the in the support or engagement in the support or engagement um, questions and things. He Chancery comes across and. To his, because he always goes back to says what he's been told, his advisor, his whoever, and what he's been told is that the average fan spends two pound a a game, so that's what's that half a pint or give that a third pound. So two pound, so two pound that that each. So he's saying what he's saying is that he wants the 
the players, uh, sorry, the customers to spend more money on a match day. But he doesn't offer anything. Because his advisors have, have told him that us simple folk only want gravy, pies and beer. Um, and, and he's wanted to put more stuff in. He's wanted to do more things. And um, he's been told by his, his advisors that we don't want that without actually you know, talking to fans saying mm. what you we know what want. It could do? You know what it could do to, to have people spend more in terms of at the on the concourse and in terms of food and drink and stuff is allow people to do that by improving the actual facilities. Yeah, I go up the top, I go up the top at half time, just before half time, and you'll be lucky if you get something to eat. That's exactly the point, Ben, because I go to games. When I go to the games, I take my little girl. Um, your match day experience doesn't, for me personally, doesn't start and stop with walking through Hillsbury. It's a, it's a whole event, and I've talked about this before. Pick the little girl up, get in the car, we drive down. There's, there's nothing in and around there. There's no sort of, you know, concourse where you can get in pre-match and, and sit down and have a bit of food, a bit of drink or anything like that. So where do we go? We go down Kellum, or we're going to town. You meet your mates, you go and have a couple of beers here, you have a couple of beers there. Uh, you, those pints aren't going to come cheap. You've then got to transport yourself into Hillsborough because we're not blessed with the ability to um, to, to just walk and get on, on, on public transport the way that Sheffield United fans can because we're, you know, we're, we're 10, 15 minutes out of city centre. So then that, that adds to it. You then got your little girl who wants to have, um, you know, some snacks before the game. You've then got to take her, bearing in mind you've already got the ticket price, you take her onto the south stand because it's the best stand to take a six, seven-year-old girl. You sit her down, you go through that event, uh, that, that first half, you then go in into um, south stand for a, a plate of chips and a pint at half-time. You then go back in afterwards. If you've gone with a mate, you go for a pint after the game. By the time you've done all that, I shit you not, one Dude, match day experience with my daughter, I'm spending over 120 quid. Yeah, She's yeah. seven. Yes, yeah, yeah, but... Yeah, but yeah, 105 quid on beer and 15 quid for a, a burger and chips. Not, <laughs> not very good. <laughs> Go on, Simon. This is we're going to do that. Thing, Just reliving your match day experience there, Ash. This is the worrying thing here because we're actually talking about the nitty gritty bits, aren't we? The, 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 the I know it is a big thing, the match day experience. I've got a 12 year old and and I know what it was like when we started taking him, Steve, when he was seven and, and he, he's, he's starting to become cynical now because he's getting towards being a teenager. But if we can't get the simple things right, as in catering at Hillsborough, we're, wh where are we in regards to... Yeah, how are we going to sort out <laughs> recruitment, like what Miguel was saying? players. Like, and, I, I tell you what was interesting, like, you, you know, we, we brought on earlier on, we were talking about the... Um, the people in between Chan Siri and Dave who runs the kitchen. And then Miguel brought in uh, the, the, the concept of the recruitment team. Uh, that, you know, we, we constantly hear Miguel. I don't know if you've heard this phrase. We constantly hear this phrase saying my advisors, my advisors, yep, he's got some time. people chirpsing in his ear and you've met these people in football. You know, they're, they're not honorable men. They're not, they're not in it for the good of football. They're in it to make money. And they're going, yeah, sign this guy, sign this guy. And Chancy was going, yeah, let's sign everybody. Let's get everybody. And there it is. There you know it what is. I mean? And, and this is and, and the only time we saw from what you you were saying, Steve, the um the match day experiences when Catherine Mare was in the uh, was in the CEO position and we had a fan zone at the side of Hillsborough, but we still managed to fuck that up. I mean that wasn't a you know, 
an opportunity to make money. That was a, a shitty five-a-side inflatable bloody thing for the kids to dick about on. Great for them, but there was nothing else. You know what I mean? It was it was a girly wet dribble of an experience. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? I think, so, I think I think you've you've made this point, Dan, didn't you? Where the 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 stuff the I think it's the X Wednesday night car park over the road, and we yeah. don't know who owns what. I I don't don't who care. Owns it? But Get I don't know. But it. but there's, Chesco, there's an opp- there's an opportunity to have um, the club sponsored outlets and. Mm doing a bit of games or for the kids. So instead of turning up at quarter three, straight in, straight to your seat. Get them in at 11 o'clock. Get them at 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, weather permitting, of course. Um, and get down there and spend a couple hours. Have some of the academy players there, you know, or some some players that are, are injured that are, can still obviously do Come a little bit. Because yeah. that to a little, like to a six, seven, eight, nine, ten year old, Oh, it's got to mean the world, hasn't it? I mean, look at Blair fangirling over Miguel right now. You know what I mean? Oh, it, yeah. It means a lot to people. But, like, Miguel, Miguel's Spanish. You know, Andy, I know you've been to Europe to watch the football. James, you're, you're in the States where they do the um, the tailgating really well. Do you know what I mean? Why is it football over here? I mean, Miguel, right? Who Who is it you played for in, in Spain? Playing uh, Nasty Hercules in the Tarragona. That's the one. I I, I, I can say that, but I just I, I just couldn't remember the actual pronunciation. And, uh, you know, you, you go to a game in Spain, you, all the way from, from Barcelona and Real, right down to Huesca and Ibar. And there was, a, there was a match day experience there. There was a connection with the club. You've got the guy banging the drum with the, uh, with the megaphone on and all the rest of it. And it's all about cheering your team on. And we can't do that in this country. We're shit about it. And the one thing we had when Miguel played, when Gary Megson was there, was we had engagement. We were happy that we somebody that. was there who loved the club. But we lost that. And we've lost it. Yeah, we lost it. We loved the passion. That's what they said. The environment between the player and, and, and the fans, we lost that. Even with Carlos, when, Car- when I, want to, I went to see a match, I think the Sheffield, when they, the passion... The the, the, the the fans are passionate. They are, want to see a, a, a team passionate, giving everything that they have, pushing until them, playing until the 94 minutes. We lost that. Mm-hmm. You know, we lost that. That, that, that feeling between the, the, <clears throat> the long throws, they the put everybody in the box. That's what the fans... And that, that was the, the connection between the, the team and the fans, their energy levels. Capable to, to score in the 94 when I was there. Remember, we won a lot of games between the, the 88 and the 94. A lot of games. That's why the people were pushing until the end. It was that, that limb and that feeling between the man, management, uh, member of the staff, team and fans. When I want to see the match, I said, I, I lost the fans. It was there. They was nearly slipping into the stand. I didn't see that energy anymore. Nah, it's, you know? uh, it started to but, go, hasn't it? Go on, Pete. Yeah. But, yeah, I think the problem is, uh, Tensiri came in and he thought the point of a football club was to win promotion to the Premier League because that's where you earn a lot of money. And that's where you lose it. If you own and run a football club to earn money, all the decisions you make after that fact will reflect your decision, your, your ambition to make money. So every decision you make is, how can I maximize revenue how can i how can i uh, quick uh, as quickly as possible get to the premier league so all the decisions he makes and has made have been to get to the premier league as quick as possible uh, as his uh, his 
this uh, code of advices have, have been telling him to do. So, so that's a problem. If if we want if we want Sheffield Wednesday to be the community it is, we need to stop pretending it's a business. It's not a business. It's a community of people. And if the community of people leaves the business, there is no business. Hence, it's not a business. There's a possibility that Mandarich has sold the idea to Chancery that this is exactly what you do. You know, if Chancery yeah, yeah, has not, not, not had the, the football knowledge, it sounds very much like a spin that Mandarich could have gone, look, I've been successful. If I can do it and I'm just a daft old man, you can do it. You're such a clever yeah. young businessman. And and he's taken it. He's, he, his, his absolute, I don't know, just his self-belief in himself. He just thought, well, he can do it. I can do it. And and he's been caught out. And now, and now he's, he's, he's wallowing in his own. Do you think any, any fault should be laid at Mandrich for that? Because I've seen, yeah, he, he, he tried telling us to that that shyster, what's his name, Mamadov or whatever oh, from, yeah. from Azerbaijan. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if if he'd succeeded with that, we we'd be liquidated by now. Uh, I mean, absolutely. This all this thing about thanks Milan Mandrich and all that shit. I don't give two hoots about it. Yeah, he's um, he was a businessman. He made he's one of the few people who make money from owning football clubs <laughs> because he was clever. Owning Sheffield Wednesday, oh, which I find yeah, exactly. Oh, all the you. other idiots, all the other idiots who are just trying to to masturbate their own ego, going into owning football clubs, lose tons of money. That's what you do. Stop crying about it. You got tons of money anyway. You you got two wives, three cars, five houses anyway. Whether you have own a football club and uh, lose money on it or, or not. So it's it's I'm, I'm sorry, but the problem here is Dave Fontenciary owning Sheffield Wednesday as if it's his thing to own. Yes, it's, it's not. Think, it's ours. It's it's this club is bloody ours. It's not his. I think so. Let, let's stop pretending it is. Miguel, take take us out, and then we're going to continue this offline. But I want I want you you're going to get the final say, Miguel, because you're so. No, beautiful. no, I said that. Right. Uh, Chancery, uh, when Chancery took the role of the chairman, they have two options to promote to Premier League. The direct one is spending stupid money in the player. We're nearly got it, but they have a real, a real uh, it took two years to, to take the, the short way. And the long way is taking four years is building a club, facilities, training ground, academy. That my, my clear, I put always the same example for me is Brighton. I remember when I came 2008, my first thing was MKI Doms, and I played in the old stadium of Brighton. In the one, it was so windy, the running track around, nothing was there. Yeah, and yeah. look at what is the club that is now with five, six, seven years ago after. This is the best academy in England at the moment. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, actually, Miguel, we're going to finish on this. So Andy's just put into the group chat there. Uh, how do we get Miguel back into the club in some capacity? Are you going to come in and take over? Because uh, it sounds like you speak a lot of sense to us. Well, it's, it's, you know, obviously, someone is said it's a dream for anyone to 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 take the manager, be the manager of Sheffield Wednesday one day. But at the moment, I am working for Warsaw Football Club, like academy manager. Uh, is someone pro- put my name on it? Obviously, it's, it will no one can say no to Sheffield Wednesday. You know, it's the dream for any person, any coach, or any person that loves the club. You know, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I think that the, the main the main point is take the right po- uh, person in, bring the fans into the stadium, and create that link again. That is not a system. The, without that link, fall apart like it is at the moment. It's not a chance to promote it. Sheffield Wednesday, the fans and Sheffield Wednesday need the fans on board, 
and working in the same direction to the Sharma. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've got, I've got 160 million down the back of my sofa. So well, I'm just going to cash it in pennies and I'm going to get Miguel in as the manager. Yeah, just wait oh, yeah. for your season ticket refund, Nash, and you'll be all right. Listen, thanks a lot for joining us tonight. We'll continue this online. Stay online, on the line, chaps. Uh, thanks a lot to Michael Constantine, Wealth Management. Thank you to all our guests this evening. Nice to hear some new voices. Uh, see you later. The Wednesday Week is sponsored by Michael Constantine, Wealth Management. We bet you can't find a financial advisor closer to Hillsborough Stadium. It's the 90th minute. You've got all your mates round. You've got your McNugget chair boxes coming down the left wing, ready to go. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget. Snatching all three points, back of the net. Lubosh! Automate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com for more information. See you later! This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.